Welcome all, it is episode 51 of Honestly Unbalanced, where we try and have honest and open conversations with people who have in some sense dedicated their life to making your life a little bit better. This week we're chatting to a podcaster who's had 25 plus million downloads of their podcast, Modern Wisdom, and that is Chris Williamson. To give you an idea about the kind of conversations he has on his podcast, and they're basically just interesting conversations with the most interesting people in the world, I'm going to give you some samples. He's chatted to Oliver Berkman about how to properly manage your time, James Smith on dating finances and happiness, Yomi Park on what it's like to live in North Korea, Danny Trio, the legend and the most killed man in Hollywood, Nicole Arbor on dating haters and mental health, Cal Newport on how to master your email overload, and Dr. Jordan B. Peterson on taking control of your life. Somehow Chris manages to actually have or at least release, three podcasts a week, which is an insane quantity. You kind of thought that the podcast would maybe get a little bit worse if it's it's releasing so many, but no, the guests get better, the conversations get more intense and interesting, and he is, I think, one of my favourite podcast hosts out there. Uh, Chris is Northern, based in Newcastle, and also has a YouTube channel, has a clubbing business, which obviously was a little bit quieter in the COVID period, and finally, yeah, a little note, he was on Love Island many years ago, so some of you might recognise his face or his voice from there. Enjoy the episode, guys. You definitely will. There'll be some takeaways. Guys, before you get listening, as always, a few little treats for you. So code the hustlers. that's cap, all capitals, T-H-E-H-U-S-L-E-R-S. That code gets you some money off. Firstly, 10% off Lifeform yoga mats. I've been using these yoga mats forever. They're undoubtedly the best yoga mat you can get. And actually this week or very soon, they're releasing some giant yoga mats, which is good if you've got long limbs like me or if you want to kind of dominate the space in a yoga studio and make people be distanced from you. Yeah, get one of the new Lifeform mats and you own a bigger space. Also, I'm an ambassador for my protein, or actually particularly MP, which is their kind of their clothing. But Code the Hustlers, like I just said, will get you around 37% off. That's quite specific. The code kind of fluctuates, but 37% off pretty much everything on the my protein website including all the clothing but anything else you can find there as well, you get money off. And if they do have a big sale on, that code normally beats whatever the sale is. As always, if you can like, subscribe, share, tell your mates about the podcast if you enjoy it, please do. We put lots of work into getting this out there and making it happen and your love is mucho appreciated. Cheers, guys. Honestly, unbalanced. So you made me feel a bit bad about myself this morning, to be honest. I felt quite seen. You, your video, uh, I don't know when you posted it, but about alarm clocks and snooze. Yeah, sorry. And so to put like Holly, I haven't told Holly about this. What you you phrase it? What did you say? If you are someone that regularly hits the snooze button, what you're basically saying is that you wa- you hate waking up so much that you do it multiple times per day. Yeah, and that made That's me feel bad. That's pretty much you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, this surprises me because, of course, your background is like you're a, a, a party boy, and you still yeah. do that to some degree. Uh, and like, so at what point did you think? Did you manage your getting up routine? Because I'm still struggling. So at what, what point did you seize the day and take control of that? I watched Matthew Walker on Joe Rogan. Oh, yes. And 
he just force deep throated this red pill down me and uh, <laughs> i was like oh my god i'm killing myself i'm literally killing myself with this job so the the world health organization uh they consider any type of shift work now as a health risk so if you're a nurse if you're a doctor if you're somebody that works nights as an engineer or as a petrol station assistant or whatever it's a health risk and club promoters and nightlife get thrown into that as well so yeah i am um, I just decided to make a commitment to try and focus on sleep a bit more. And then since COVID happened, all nightclubs in the UK were shut. And for the first time since I was an adult, I had a stable sleep and wake pattern, which is a dream. But how, how does that relate? I get the idea of more sleep. And like we listen to that podcast and we've been oh, like yeah, really... he's a life changer. We're like nine, nine hours <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. But how does that relate to the snooze? Did, did Matt Walker talk about that? I don't I don't recall. No, so for me, the, the snooze is, it's more a psychological than a physiological thing for me. It's literally the first thing that you do every day. And I know that on the days when I get up and get after it, even if I don't want to, that the rest of my day feels good because I've taken control. I've commanded the very first action of the day. And there's some things that you can do to make this easier. So I have a sunrise alarm clock, which wakes me up with light rather than just with sound. And I've just recently within the last month got a chili pad Ula, which yeah. is a liquid cooled mattress topper. But the newest one, the Ula, it, you can set schedules throughout the night of how hot you want the bed to be uh, so that it aligns with different sort of physiological clocks. You want it to be this cool after you get in and then a bit cooler in the middle of the night. And it also has a heat wake-up setting so you can have <laughs> your alarm clock can come up with light as your bed warms up. And you get burned. And if you think, no, it's not that hot. I think it maxes out. It doesn't, it doesn't max out that, that, that warm. But it's, if you think about trying to replicate what would have happened ancestrally, the sun rises, it's brighter, the temperature rises, you wake up. So, I don't know. That's my bro science anyway. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's, they're expensive, aren't they, as well? They're a fair... 800 quid for a half, yeah, or about 1,300 quid for a full, yeah. How, what do you think will happen when you go back to being out a little bit more? So, obviously, the, we, we've had full control in this period over our life to some degree, and getting up, working from where we want to work. Do you think we'll be able to maintain the changes you've made? So I won't go back to working nights again. Mm. Um, that's a decision that I've made with my business partner and we've sort of repurposed the business so that I, I cover. He recently had a, a little one, uh, another one, he's terrifyingly fertile, and I covered him uh, on that week. But for the most part, I'm not going to go back to staying up till three in the morning, multiple nights per week. It's just not happening. I've served my time. You talk about the Matthew Walker podcast. I think he also talks about coffee. And I did actually implement this in my life. I stopped drinking coffee after a certain amount of time. But then you just went and ruined my life again with a post that you put up about how coffee is really bad for you within the first 90 minutes of waking up and that you drink salt water every morning. I feel like that <laughs> must be a lie. So not that it's bad for you, just that it's pointless, which I'm not sure if that's better or worse. Oh, that's uh, OK. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah, it's not bad for you. You're not doing anything to harm yourself. You're just not taking advantage of, of the rhythms of, of how your body works. So again, I'd bro-scienced my way through this. Fuck, man. I'd, I'd like <laughs> read this or seen this in some podcast forever ago and was just spouting it out as if it was pure fact for two years and living my life by it. Uh, and then Andrew Huberman from Stanford 
did a full daily routine episode about a month and a half ago. One of the first things he said was, really don't want to be taking caffeine within the first 90 minutes of the day. And I was like, fucking yes, I'm so right. I knew I was correct <laughs> with that. Finally felt vindicated. But yeah, basically your adenosine system, which is what the caffeine binds to, to stop you from feeling tired. That doesn't tend to be active for the first 90 minutes of the day, but your adrenal system does. Salt acts on your adrenal system. So if you have a large cold glass of water with some salt in, with some lemon juice, or element, uh, the salt sticks that I use, which is sodium, potassium, and magnesium, like in an optimal blend, um, those on a morning, you get the adrenal kick, you have less caffeine consumption throughout the day because you've lowered your total overall caffeine. And then when you do have your first cup of coffee, 90 minutes to two hours into the day, you genuinely feel that. So a lot of the time people will have that coffee and then they'll still be like, oh, I kind of really need another one. I'm not that awake. Well, of course not, because you're, the drink you've just taken is acting on a system that isn't active at the moment. How do you retain this information in that you, you, you speak to an inordinate amount of people every week? And you're researching them, I'm sure. And you talk about bro science or whatever, but there's lots, lots of little tidbits that you pick up along the way. And I don't get how you retain that information because when you have an episode, you, know, you will constantly pluck things out of your head. And I will read like Tim Ferriss's, what was it? Which one was it? Tools of Titan. That one. See, he did it again. He yeah. just remembers. And I, I you know, I, I put loads, I made loads of notes, I had my phone with me making notes all the way through. Nothing's gone, nothing has gone in my head. Maybe like one anecdote I recall. It's very different. You guys will learn this from doing the podcast. It's very different being an active participant in a conversation versus just listening to something. Mm. Hugely different. Mm. Because you're there and you're thinking about it and you're thinking about the question that you're going to ask. And I don't know, man, like throw enough shit at the wall and some of it will stick. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> kind of the way... <laughs> That I've retained stuff. But the danger is how, I guess, valuable our memory is. Like, we think that the, the shit has stuck in the exact same formation <laughs> that the, the shit landed. But that no, shit, no, that no. shit slides it down. and it yeah, slides correct. down the mirror and, it, and, and rain goes on it it's and stuff. And suddenly, what you're then talking about is shit. Yeah, so <laughs> speaking, of, dude, speaking of retention and, and Tim Ferriss, I... For a while, I tried to have a really well-organized external note system and I was going to build a second brain mm. and everything would be beautifully indexed and tagged and color-coded. And I'm just not built like that. Like, I'm not administratively minded at all. And Tim Ferriss has this concept called the good shit sticks. <laughs> and basically what he says is, if a concept resonates with you that much, you'll remember it. Mm. And if it doesn't, then it probably didn't matter. So a lot of the time, I think, because we're overblown with a, a, an abundance a surplus of information and we get this sort of like FOMO anxiety around all of the things that we could have learned or should have learned and couldn't retain and couldn't recall mm. whereas Tim just says look like just allow the natural evolution of whatever matters to you to rise back up to the surface and since doing that I, I know it's a get out of jail free card but since adopting that approach I feel a lot more free with things it's like look if i if i do an hour and a half with someone that's really interesting great conversation perfectly entertaining but nothing i, I can't recall anything particularly from it the next week it's like well fine like it, it didn't 
wasn't meant to be mm. and it relieves the pressure mm. it's good i always feel like you re- retain and remember the, the things that you're supposed to also share with other people maybe that's the hippie part of me coming out but for instance i teach yoga but i i'm terrible with the anatomy i, I can just go over and over the bones and the names of everything but it never sticks so mm. i end up teaching the things that resonate with me you know the more the more floaty esoteric stuff and that sticks and that's what people resonate with and yeah maybe it's to do with what you're supposed to share with the world as well different perspective and I think we're not, as human beings, really meant to retain that much information on such a diversity of topics coming from such a diversity of sources. I don't think we're, we're made for it. I could be wrong. Maybe it's no. just an excuse. No. <laughs> well, we would have, no, we would have had a, definitely, we've got far more of an abundance of information than we would be used to. You know, the, the, there is absolutely no way that humans are supposed to consume the entire world's news in real time, 24 hours a day. No. Like, it's just we're not we're not built for it. So what the the competitive advantage now comes from being someone who can discriminate rather than forage. Mm. So it's not about finding more information. It's about getting rid of the information that you don't need and mm. focusing on what you do. Mm. And how in terms of the guests that you have on then, do you look for guests that you know that you would resonate with or whose arguments you already support or do you really like, actively look for a diversity so even if someone doesn't appear that interesting to you from a purely subjective standpoint will you still try and bring them on no no it's <laughs> just this is the entire podcast is a glorified <laughs> excuse for me to have conversations with interesting people and apparently the internet listens as well that's literally it like i'd do it if no one listened and if none of the, if all the sponsors fucked off tomorrow i couldn't think of anything that i would rather do at 6 p.m every weeknight than speak to some interesting people. Uh, and all that having an audience now has done is permit me to get a bit of prestige mm. and to access bigger name guests. That's really it. Do you have a list of dream guests and have you got through mu- much of it, if so? Yeah, I, I did when I first started, I did. So Aubrey Marcus, the CEO of Onnit, he was up there. He's a fucking cool dude. He's mm. back on next Tuesday, actually. Uh, Jordan Peterson was a oh, huge one and I managed love to get that. him. Yeah, he uh, he crushed it. It was it was so good, and he was so complimentary after we finished, which was, I don't know, a bit like, you know, your dream yogi coming in telling you that your sequence was beautiful or something. Yeah. And you think, fuck, like this is what I learned from you. This is your sequence that I've fed back to you. So they were good. I mean, I've spoken to like Michio Kaku, Brian Green, you know, like world changing physicists. I had a porn star on who won an adult <laughs> actress uh, award, and. Yeah, like then even people that you don't think are going to be outrageous. You know, Will Store last week, this journalist who's written a new book about the status game, and I said my, like, literally had my jaw on the floor for the entire time that I was talking to him. It's cool. It's cool. And for some reason, like whatever quirk version of the simulation we're in, whereby this can be considered a job, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that it's it's ended up this way. How did it start? Can we go back? Where did your podcast journey start? I just guested on someone's show and loved it and said I want to do this more and the best way to do it is if I start my own show and that was it. it, Have you always been to some degree like extroverted or more situational as an extrovert? Uh, Yeah it's very temperamental extroversion I think whatever whatever sort of shop front I've got up here because I'm very introverted naturally spend love spending time on my own I get my energy from being on my own I'm an only child I'm a solo business owner uh but I've like I'm curious, as a lot of people might be, you know. And um, yeah, it's it's good. It's a it's a nice way to 
Because you can you can have too much of a good thing, especially as introverts. You know that it's good for you to speak to people. You know that it's a good idea to get out of your own head, to force yourself to think in different ways and to speak as well. You know, not just to ruminate and have this sort of neuroticism just winding around inside of your brain to bounce those words out of your mouth and to develop the ability to refine what's in your head into from thought to word as precisely as possible. And that rigor is it's a real superpower. And all of that gets facilitated by having conversations on your terms Mm. and, you know, having a a podcast. I imagine it must be similar. I don't live with a partner or anything like that. But I imagine if you're married and you both go to work and then you come home on an evening time and usually there's sort of this daily debrief where, so I've been told, uh, where you say like, so what happened today and how did it go on? And, oh, you did that and you did this. And the only difference is that this one's with different people. It's like polyamory uh, Mm. debrief. Uh, and it's with different people and it's a bit more rigorous and it's recorded and on the internet. So in, so you've been, I guess, in the public eye since TV show. So TV show, then podcast. What so, was the TV show for the guests? The L- Love Island. Yeah. So you, uh, yes, I did take me out before Love Island oh, well and done. then I did take me out. Oh. <laughs> so you've been on, okay, so you've been on a few. So something about you likes to be seen to some degree, seen or heard. And yeah, yet, it's the attention, uh, the, the, the desire for attention. No, but then at the same, but at the same time, you've talked a lot about... I believe I maybe I heard this in a, on, a, on a chat you had about like, you know the sources of happiness and do you get the the happiness from within you or from the stuff you show you extrinsic or intrinsic happiness so I guess the question is like that seems quite an, an interesting balance to be so public facing but advocating so much for finding intrinsic happiness mm. well I don't think that I get my sense of self-worth or I try not to get my sense of self-worth from how I perform publicly I have these conversations and I do the things that I do because they genuinely fulfill me and mm. I would do them if nobody else was listening. Yeah. The fact that what I do and genuinely enjoy on my own and what I can leverage and create prestige and clout for myself, the fact that those happen to be the same thing is purely a quirk of fluke. Yeah. Like that's it. It's just chance. Um, very much. But, you know, they say that your true calling in life is at the intersection of what you love to do, what you're good at, what society needs and what you can be paid for. And it just happens to be that all of mine fucking fall on top of each other, like four or five <laughs> pence pieces stacked up. Um, so, yeah, you are right. The, in an industry like this where people know who you are and they're following your content and they're talking about stuff that you're doing, it's easy to kind of get distracted. And everyone gets this. You get a new job title or a, a raise or you move to a new city and you're the this person. You're the, you're the new yoga couple that's teaching at this retreat or in this center or has got this program coming out. And you start to be, wow, like this could be my thing. Like people mm. are going to know. And you go, no, 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 no. That's just a part of you. It isn't you. Like what are you here for? What are the values? What are the fundamental core virtues that you're trying to speak forward into the world and let everything emerge out of that? So yes, it, it is... There is a huge sort of desire for attention that's there, or at least it was in the past, like in my past life. Um, but I try to strip that away as best as I can now. Uh, and I think just being aware of it is at least the first step. And yeah, that is okay. The awareness of it. Because I think I, someone criticized one of my posts recently. It was talking about ego. Uh, and you know, I was doing an extravagant pose. And they were saying, well, surely you know, you're just epitomizing what's wrong with yoga you're doing extravagant pose you're making people jealous and envious and my point back was well what doesn't feed ego like if if i'm on a poster if i'm on a flyer if i'm in a book we can there's an infinite source of things that will feed ego but what we need to do is be aware of that Mm. and kind of bring ourselves back to some degree and have some of that reflection there's a distinction here between 
um, playing the game and knowing that it's not about the game. Mm. So a lot of people that play the game, they genuinely believe that the game is everything that there is. For instance, right? Like I don't use the most boring black and white thumbnails for my YouTube videos. You know, I can have Jordan Peterson on the episode, a guy who is intellectually sort of very, he's highly regarded, right? He's not there wearing a low cut top or a fucking wife beater you know, like, with, with fake tan. Like he's not trying to, he's not trying to sexy up or play the game for himself. Um, and yet I decided that I wanted to present that in a way that I know will succeed given the, um, the rules of the game, right? And mm. how I know that success can be found. The same thing goes for you guys. Like, who's to say that you posting a photo of you doing something good that enables you to reach more people with a message that you genuinely think is virtuous? Who's to say that that's bad? It's like, don't hate the player, hate the <laughs> rules of the game. Because I don't give a fuck about the game. All that I care about is me playing it. That's all. And I'm going to step out. I'm going to go backstage. I'm going to take my kit off and I'm going to crack on and do, do my other thing. Um, but yeah, you don't have enough time in an Instagram comment to explain that. Yeah. And like you, I mean, you in your underwear, you will attract so many people to like that, to interact with that. People that would never have heard of you will be like, he looks good. Okay, what is that? Conversation. Suddenly they're listening to Jordan. And it's changed. the and first it, trap. And it's changed. The conversations. Yeah. That's it. And it's yeah. changed their life. And the same, go, the same goes with, with yoga, doesn't it? If, if I think, about it this, think about it this way. Like, you guys have a unique offering. There are certain things that only you can do. And by not doing that, by not doing the, the pose that, you know, maybe, let's say maybe only a thousand people on the planet can do one of the poses that you guys can do. By not putting that forward, you're actually, the world is a less place. Like, your art is not being spoken forth. So what do you want me to do? Because you think that I get clout and prestige from doing this, that I shouldn't put forward something that, mm. it, like, now we're down to 999 people on the planet that can do this thing. That's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you always say it's like a way in, don't you? It's not that's not what all yoga is about, fancy poses. Not not even half of it really, but it attracts people in to then get them on the mat to then lead them down a path of enlightenment awareness, whatever it do is. Endless down down dog now, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's with, with using yoga as the same example, you know, people do things like gin yoga. Uh, goat yoga, <laughs> chicken nugget yoga, whatever. Yes, there is a whole cultural appropriation there, and I don't approve of that bit. <laughs> that bit. However, if it gets more people onto the mat, Brilliant. And then, then we do the work. Then we do the proper work. So let's talk a little bit about your... So let's say the controversial guest. Let's say Jordan Peterson. There are lots of people that don't like him. And I'm going to use Holly as an example. Holly had never heard of Jordan Peterson. A, a few months ago, I was introduced yeah, to him. So Holly, so Holly had no preconception of him. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, a lot of people perhaps in the more left yoga world might really have never heard of him, never really read his book, but automatically disagree with him, which, you know, I, I like him. And Holly is a perfect example. So Holly's quite hippie, in a sense, no offence. And I'm offended. So you'd never read it. him. And Holly listened to that podcast on the on our way back from somewhere. Yeah, I'm in love with him. And Holly's in love with him. And it's Absolutely I find adoring. it really interesting uh, about I guess the process of getting the controversial guests on. And I guess multiple parts of this question. First, how do you interact with the shit that you might inevitably get when you get some more controversial people on? And equally, I guess, tell us a little bit about more. Have you ever persuaded someone who didn't like that guest to listen to the two-hour conversation? And it's very hard to hide who you are and what you believe in in the two-hour conversation. Mm. Like, have you ever converted someone? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Like, I'm not, I'm not really too fussed about what people say. The worst place I think for a creator to be in is at that small middle stage 
It's when you don't have enough clout to move under your own momentum, when you still see every comment that happens on the stuff that you're doing. Presumably this is online, but the same would occur if you were an artist or a musician. You know, if you're playing a music gig to 40 people, like it's just about the the maximum number of people where you can still watch everyone's mm. re reaction to what it is that you're doing. So you still have the neuroticism. You have enough people there for people to hate, like that for there to be a, a good likelihood that someone hates what you do, <laughs> but not enough people for more than that to kind of overwhelm them and for you to just feel good about what you do. Um, and yeah, I don't really, I try not to listen to it, man. Like I've got, I, I'm working away on the craft of trying to become really, really good. When it comes to controversial guests, like, it's a it's an internet people are going to hate there's going to be a hater for absolutely everything that you do mm. and as far as i can see just trying to find people who have interesting opinions interesting stories stress testing them you know if if jordan says something that i don't agree with then i i try my best to put my skeptical hat on and say well hang on a second what do you mean by that because what you said earlier on is this and i'm not really too sure that those two things align they seem like they contradict to me and you push back like you can be the voice you can have someone on that the entire audience hates but you can deliver a conversation in which you continue to stress test all of their different ideas and the audience actually goes well i don't agree i still don't agree with anything that they said but good performance by you being on the offensive trying to push them into different places mm. and then um what was the second question what were you asking oh it converting was... people mm. yeah so to be honest i i think the internet struggles massively at saying that it was wrong. <laughs> I mean, everyone does. Like, this isn't just the internet, but no one, very, very, very few people are compelled to write a comment that says, I thought this thing in the past and after watching this episode, now I think something yeah. different. The people who have had their minds changed probably just do it in silence. Mm. And the people who do comment on something, uh, it's probably just reactionary. Like, we don't know how the sample size of all the people that view something on the internet versus the number of people from that that decide to comment, we don't know what that particular microcosm of it skews toward. Like, does it skew toward people that are really reactionary? Does it skew toward people that haven't eaten for the last two hours? Does it skew towards people that need a dump? Like, you don't know what that selection criteria is, but you know that it's not representative you know that there are far more people that watch the thing than, than comment on a thing. Therefore, you have to presume that fucking hell, there's something going on here outside of the small sample of comments that I see. Um, that being said, I, I, I definitely think that the people that listen to the show rather than watch it on YouTube will have been exposed to some new ideas. Like we've had, had some really difficult conversations around, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean for... Um, uh, non-offending paedophiles to try and find um, rehabilitation in society at the moment. This is something I think is going to be quite a big talking point as we move forward. And um, like that's a really hard conversation to have. You're walking this tightrope. And the number of messages that you get from people that say, dude, like I never thought of it like that. That's really, really cool. So it's not necessarily someone changing their mind, but the number of times that you just nudge people, you nudge their uh, worldview in a direction that hopefully is more balanced and a little bit more insightful and a bit more self-aware. That's the goal. And I wonder if people are more open to giving feedback on things that they have no pre-existing view on. 
Like oh, I absolutely, like, and absolutely. I never that as a talking point has never been on my agenda, and I don't how I've never held strong opinions on that. I'm sure I could find some strong opinions in half an hour of conversation, but as it stands, no. Whereas I guess with someone like Jordan or you know, maybe topics on gender or like people have their opinion already and thus maybe are less willing to even listen in the first place. Well, they just think that they know, right? Mm. And then we all want to posit ourselves as some sort of an authority. It's not cool. No one on the internet ever, ever has commented saying, I don't know. <laughs> no mm. one. And again, it's this selection criteria. If you don't know, you probably don't comment. And saying I don't know is actually probably one of the most intelligent things you could say, actually, a lot of the time. Right. Do you ever choose guests that you know are going to push you outside of your comfort zone? Yes. Um, sometimes it's difficult to find because what a lot of people mean by outside of comfort zone now would be sort of different political ideology or different worldview and... I'm, I'm making a conscious effort right now to do exactly that, uh, to try and find people who counter the narrative that I've come in with over the last couple of years. I've been sort of centrist and I've had some people on from center, center right and then right. Um, and I want to get some people from the left. I want to hear from some people who are going to rehabilitate the left's, um, how would you say, their brand, moving away from all of the ideology and the gender and the the identity stuff and moving toward class differences in class and trying to stratify out how can we raise up the working class and the underclass people so that they have better quality of life stuff like that i want to speak to those people that are moving away from identity and moving toward class-based leftism politics and i think that's a really interesting conversation fuck like i've had like god sad jordan peterson like these you know idw adjacent and full-on idw people on my show that's a that's a new area for me to go into so yeah it it does push me outside of it but every single conversation you've read the book and this person's worked on it for their entire life like by their very nature you've only got this tiny tiny mm. little insight this little one millimeter squared piece that you're playing with and then this person comes in and just brain dumps on you and you go oh god now i've got to update my entire operating system to try and see the world in this new way Mm. so how much how much research do you do so for context for people listening you do three episodes a week which yeah. is which is a lot mm. like how much research do you do for each each guest and what is the process uh so it's just listen to them read the book listen to them the book usually not like absolutely in full just that i don't have time but i'll skim through i've got quite good at not speed reading it's like skim reading so you can kind of see the start of a paragraph move. You just sort of look through it, look through it. Uh, not, too, not too much, not too much. Ooh, there's an interesting one. And then I just sort of, the good shit sticks again. And then when the guest comes on, you I, I try and listen to them. It's a really good idea if you're going to interview someone to listen to what they've done in the past because you get this sense for how they speak. For instance, with Jordan Peterson, he has this, he, he does like half beat breaks so he'll finish speaking and then stop and you try and get in because you think he's done and he's not done <laughs> um, he, he totally turned what he like just like brazilian jiu-jitsu'd one of my mates in a conversation <laughs> who just couldn't get the dance to be gracious and kept on blah, 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 like over the top of each other over and over again uh, and i was like right that's a thing like i need to watch out for that thing that he does when i think that he's fucking finished speaking and he's still going um <laughs> And then the the process is just like, let your curiosity carry you. Like, is that a thing that they said that's interesting? All right, well, I'll ask them about that. 
And that's how you end up with unique conversations as well, because anyone can read the book and then distill a bunch of questions down from the book. But everybody has the same book. You have a different mind. Okay, so how can you utilize your mind? Just allow the curiosity to drag you forward like a, like a kite in the breeze. Mm. Nice. That's a good way to look at it. I think I think uh, Jordan in his episode with you, I think it was said that one of his faults is that he tends to interrupt people a yeah. lot um, and he's working on that. So is there anything that you do that you're currently working on? Interrupting and giving too many verbal confirmations was one for ages. And I actually learned from Oprah. Love weird, her. Weird one to learn from. <laughs> uh, learn from Oprah. Like if you ever watch an interview of her, that's an amicable one where they've got a wide shot. She looks like the nodding dog from that Churchill commercial. <laughs> so she just goes just up and down, nodding up and down. And then she's got different ones. She's got like a like a, a, a single sort of hard one. And then she's got like some quick some quick ones for encouragement. And um, it just allows you to say to the to the guest like yes, I'm still here. Yes, I'm still listening. No, I haven't fallen asleep. I'm still engaged, but I don't want to say to you to keep going so you can just continue nodding away. So that's one of them. Uh, because I'm from Newcastle, well, I'm from the north of England. So like is the most commonly used word. You know, like it's kind of like mm -hmm. this, like, and trying to deprogram, that's hard. I did a TEDx talk at the start of the year and yeah. I got a speech coach. Wow. And as a part of that, a uh, speech and diction coach who's trained in theatre. So we really worked on some verbal tics that I had. I had a very slight lisp. So I've been working on walking down the street in my morning walk, doing these crazy tongue twisters, sort of <laughs> trying to deprogram some of that, dropping consonants in. So I don't say butter, I say butter. <laughs> um, and just, you know, just polishing the performance in the same way that you guys might do with your sequences. You now you've got it down, but where's the final two or three percent? Did you ever, when you were, I guess, refining your voice, as it were, did you ever consider at what point are you losing some identity as well? Correct. Because yeah. people, you know, a, there's a line. Something that a lot of people say, yeah. So personally for me, I, th I think I've got a fairly good idea of where that, where that begins and ends. Um, but realistically, because talking's such a, an automatic thing, I think that you probably need to consciously push yourself just a little bit further past where you want to be mm. and then allow your habit to, to reset you just back down a tiny little bit. Um, you're definitely right. And this year, for a lot of it, I, I probably have been overly overly purposeful with with my speech and it's definitely got in the way of things that i've said because i've been thinking about my diction as i've been trying to think about my pre presentation as well and um it, you can't think of like it's really hard it's hard enough to just talk that being said i'm really happy with some of the progress that we've made with that i'm just about to start to work in a couple of weeks with one of the guys from brighton comedy because I want to have my comedic delivery be better and use more humor. <laughs> so I'm going to start doing one-on-one -on -one comedy coaching. And Amazing. Hope maybe that'll make me funny or something. I don't know. So here's the thing, right? Like nobody, nobody treats any other discipline outside of sport with the same amount of commitment that sports people do. Maybe except mm. for top flight musicians uh, but even CEOs, even the, the, the top flight CEOs, they don't treat it in the same way. So think about an athlete, like they, everything that they do is to push them toward the bleeding edge of their performance, right? Their sleep, their nutrition, their mindset, the, their recovery, the ways that they're running drills, the ways that they're doing conditioning, the way that they're making sure that they have good conversations on a morning, the way that they, they work on their mental self-talk, everything, the individual components of their performance, the full part components of their performance, but nobody else ever really 
works that hard. You know, somebody loves the thing that they do. You know, they really, really love being a pick whatever your pursuit is, yogi, whatever it is. But they don't train like an athlete. They train like somebody that likes to do what they like to do. And mm-hmm. it's a hobby. And maybe they have varying degrees of commitment. And what I realized at the start of this year was that that leaves, you're leaving so much on the table there as a competitive advantage. Like, if most people treat their pursuit as a well, why not? If you can just put a tiny little bit more effort in, get a couple of coaches that will maybe do well and maybe think about what makes you feel good before you go on an episode. Maybe learn some vocal warm-ups. Maybe make sure that your sleep is set the night before and just try and do these little things. I was like, there has to be headroom here to Mm. try and get ahead. Uh, And maybe people with more natural talent wouldn't need to do so much work to achieve the same level of output. But for me, it, it seems to have worked. And if nothing else, it... It makes you it makes your pursuit feel quite virtuous because you know that you're committing, and then when you turn up to do an episode, you're like, yeah, yeah, like I, I fucking researched this guy and I slept well last night and I trained this morning and I had a sauna and I know that I feel mint after I've had a sauna. I've had my cold shower and I haven't haven't had any caffeine. I know that I'm in the right place. I'm hydrated. I've been to the bathroom. I've done my warm ups. I'm gonna fucking crush this, as opposed to turning up and just being like, well, you know, I was on the lash last night and a bit tired and. I, I'll get through it. It's like, no, I'm going to fucking, I'm mm. going to have a conversation that people are really going to enjoy and that he's going to reach like millions of viewers. Mm. That's such a refreshing way to look at it. And, I, and I, I agree in that a lot of people in what they do, they only get better by practicing doing the thing. So yoga, te- yoga teachers do yoga and teach yoga, but would, the average one wouldn't do anything else. But uh, yeah, compar- comparing it to doing a deadlift, if you wanted to do deadlift 200k, you wouldn't only deadlift. <laughs> There's a whole load of things you should be doing. But that isn't in- including on our, it's not necessarily on our radar. Like I, I've never thought about this podcast in that way. You know, we turn up, we have the good chats, we're all natural, but there are 100% so many ways in which we could refine what we do. Is, is the goal then for you to just, just to keep getting better and better and better at everything that you're doing? Or is there like an end goal? Or is it just to keep growing as a person and just to keep finding ways to hack life and be the best version of you possible? Yeah, there's no end goal yet. I don't think it'll be interesting when you get to a bit more a, a level of clout that you feel satisfied with um, but I don't know whether that ever comes mm. I'm just enjoying just enjoying sort of doing what I'm doing at the moment and having conversations and yeah facilitating that it sounds like you know from what from what you talk about that you have a relatively good quality of life not in that you know you show off watches or like and flash stuff that you have although that was a very nice mattress thing that is a bit flash (laughs) but beyond that you don't you don't really show off stuff and when i say you have a nice quality of life it seems like you have space and time which you do you have your morning routine you train you do the things you know are good for you you do the things that for most people would make them inherently happy like going for a walk going for a run or a like what do you think i guess is going to change in the future because there's going to be more commitments for you. You're going to become more successful in what you do. There's going to be more demand. You're going to be pulled in different directions. I saw you again you know, going to London the other week and traveling for work is a stressful thing. I did it a lot, but didn't necessarily enjoy the process of traveling. Maybe kids and family and stuff will be on can't the agenda. Can't wait to be a dad, man. I can't yeah. wait to be a dad. Like I'm gassed. But the way that I see it is, especially because like family or having a family is is one of the things that's really on my radar at the moment i mean i'm not i'm not like trying to impregnate people like just on the street but <laughs> it's it's something that i'm thinking about and um i had a conversation with a buddy and he was saying look man like you need to get ready to be the dad that you want to be to your kids 
And if that mm. means that I need to pay my dues now and I need to get my life to the sort of stage where I can chop, chop the amount of work that I do in half and still be able to support a family. Because I, I don't want to be a dad. Like my dad worked, he was an engineer who did fucking tons of hours per week because mum had stopped working, very sort of classic working class family. Dad was working, mum was at home looking after me. And he worked his fucking bollocks off. And I don't want to, I want to spend time with my kid all the time. So I want, I need to get my life in, in order so that I'm ready for that. Like, and you need to be the sort of partner to find the woman to make the kid and you need to be sufficiently balanced and all that stuff. So yeah, it's just, um, if I need to sort of pay some prices now, then so be it. And then when it comes, when time comes for me to have a higher priority, then this will slot around it. So tro trophy husband is no longer a goal. Yeah. A trophy husband's still a goal. I mean, if, 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 if I end up being just some very well looked at, if the, if the driver can come and pick me up and take me to the gym on a morning and, you know, little Rupert can, can have the nanny come and look after him for an hour while I go out, <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to be a toy boy. Yeah. You, you, your, your journey and everything, you sound like you're, you're so super successful. And, you know, our podcast is called Honestly Unbalanced. So I'd love if you could share with us maybe like a perceived failure along your journey, something that perhaps you've struggled with, with in the past. Yeah, I mean, fairly, there's like a, a pretty big litany of them. I, I've, I've opened a ton of businesses that have lost far more money than ones that I've, uh, that I've started over the last couple of years. Like the, the, all of the things that I've done with regards to club promo have definitely ended up shortening my life. So I'm probably going to die before everyone uh, just because I've, <laughs> because I've had like 15 years of late nights. Um, I would definitely say that one of the disadvantages of being me is that it's very hard for me to switch off the, competitive advantage that comes from noticing things and and paying attention and and really being curious that's not just a switch that you get to you get to stop mm. having happened mm. and it, it is a, a moderately heavy price to pay because you know you wake up at three in the morning thinking about a question that you should have asked a guest and then you berate yourself for the next hour and a half before you go back to sleep so like that's you know and that, that that's something that I can't I, I'm struggling to get rid of um self-consciousness and sort of a, a lack of confidence in what I'm doing because I'm constantly around people at the top of their game mm. I'm constantly with experts and specialists mm. constantly and you think like who the fuck am I who the fuck are you to speak to Jordan Peterson like who like just some bloke chatting away um and I I don't know whether that goes I don't know at what point that leaves uh, and everyone deals with that, right? Like everyone deals with levels of imposter syndrome. And that, that, that comes with growth. As you start to trailblaze new ground, inevitably you're doing something that you haven't done before. Therefore, imposter syndrome comes along for the ride. So it's like the, it's a price you pay for persistent growth. But it's not that nice in the moment. So yeah, there are, there are prices to pay. Switching off, like I, I can't take much more than, unless I'm on holiday and I've committed it, I can't really take much more than probably a day off. I start to feel guilty or ashamed about the fact that I should have been working. I could have done this. Um, but I've got good to the point where I can go on holiday and just be like, right, that's it. It's like out of office is on, so to speak. Uh, but even that, even before I go on holiday, the fucking week before, and I'm sure it might be the same with you guys, like the volume of emails that you do because you realize that you have to do two weeks worth of work in one week. Like shit, I need to get like next week's work because I'm away and this week's work done, but I only have seven days to do it in. 
So yeah, switching off, that's that's something I need to develop. Um, sort of loosening up as well, like it's a final thing. And th- I'm actually going to start trying some more embodiment practices, maybe Tai Chi, which I did for a long time when I was younger, um, to just get myself out of my own head. Like you are bowing at the altar of cerebral horsepower to do this. Like it's just pure cognitive load trying to think your way into and out of all of the different mazes that you're getting getting stuck in and i think that just getting out of that and getting into something that's a bit more of a bodily flow state it will be really really good for me um so i'm looking forward to doing that and kind of just learning to to switch this off a little bit and kind of just embody mm. a bit more Can I imagine there are so many techniques out there that could help you but i guess you're the kind of guy that would research every technique for a year not really no <laughs> no, no. i just ask you i just message you and say hey man like i want to get out of my own head like what do you think? What, do you, what what would be a good idea? Yeah. Do you practice yoga or, med- or meditate? Uh, I meditate every day, yeah. Mm. Uh, I've done for a long time. Um, yoga, I did for a long while. I was on Romwad's books. So I was one of the uh, like display models for those guys doing going and doing the sequences. Um, and then I've just found... My, I've got a lower back problem, which does not agree with a lot of the movements because mm-hmm. it's so central, right? Like it's, it's the middle of you. Um, and it doesn't agree with a lot of the stuff that I do with yoga. So I would need to find something that accounted for that and then going and doing public classes and being the guy at the back that goes, excuse me, I can't, <laughs> I can't do a forward fold because of my, because of my disc bulge. <laughs> like you don't want to be that guy, um, but that's a, that's a fairly pissy excuse. But it's, it's I, in that note, it's, it's finding that right teacher for you in that regard. Just to anyone out there, like yoga, yoga can be horrific for the low back if it's taught in a certain way. If you're taught to constantly compress and load it and kind of go into extension in upper back whilst tilting the pelvis forwards, it's it's horrific. So it's finding the teacher, me, that doesn't actually teach like that. So I think yoga can be harmful, but there is a right style that suits suits everyone at their point in their life and it kind of meets them there. So yeah, it can be harmful, but it can be equally wonderful as well. I'd love to hear about your morning routine. Adam said it's very extensive. So would you mind sharing what you do? Yeah, sure. So I have a system. I'm actually going to release a course on it because so many people ask. Um, It's four buckets, which is move, reflect, learn and prepare. Uh, Get up and do a walk. Salt and lemon in water when I get back. Sit down journal and plan for the day which takes about five minutes it's just what's the biggest task what's the one biggest thing that i need to do a couple of things i'm grateful for a couple of intentions Mm -hmm. Uh, meditate for about 10 minutes 10 or 15 minutes sometimes it's been unguided for a long time and i started to get a bit frustrated so i'm now actually on sam harris's waking up app which Mm -hmm. i think is is really really good um breathwork using state shift which is another app uh, run by uh, ex-guest brian mckenzie which is awesome just pre-programmed breathwork sequences there's four different pathways there um then read uh, that tends to usually be whoever i'm podcasting with on the evening time so that's another 15 minutes uh, and then prepare which is just sort my food do my cooking for the day pack my bags if i need to be going somewhere uh, and that usually happens whilst listening to a podcast again usually the guest that i've just read so it's like a whatever a 10 minute walk five minutes journaling 10 minutes breathwork 15 minutes meditation 15 minutes reading it's like within an hour like within the space of an hour you've got it all done but you realize that most of the personal growth stuff that you would have put off for the rest of the day 
you've crushed it and most people aren't out of bed yet and i'm not i, I get up at like 7 a.m well maybe not most people most people are probably at work by the time that i finish my morning routine <laughs> um, but it's something that i really enjoy like, i genuinely look forward to waking up on those days and it makes me feel like i want to crush it and the advantage of it is that even if the rest of the day goes to complete shit and just life comes and and dicks you all over for the rest of the day you know that you got your stuff in this morning before the world came to impose its will on you before the fucking whatsapp messages and the emails came flooding in like you know that you've got it done it's like okay i meditated today i, mm. I got some wins in and it's yeah. the same thing going back to the very start it's the same thing with the with the alarm clock with hitting snooze it's like look like i won that first battle of the day i made my bed i went for my walk i had my water i did this like that's it those are fucking wins mm. and a lot of the time you, you know you can go through a whole day and not get any of those wins so starting them with a bunch and back do, to back does your idea. phone appear at any point there or is a phone out of the way for that first hour so phone sleeping with your phone outside of your bedroom is the number one life hack for everybody like it's so good um that being said if you want to use state shift or sam harris or stuff like that you actually you need the phone in your hand so you you kind of have to start repurposing it in somehow uh but i have all the notifications off so it means that the screen is blank i also have the apps that i use in my morning routine on the home screen and nothing else so again when i open up the phone there's no distractions there's no temptations to go elsewhere you are treating yourself like a like a heroin addict of some kind but that's kind of that's kind of what it is uh and then i also have a, a separate phone for social media that i do um for normal stuff so like the, the social media phone stays in a drawer mm. and then the actual one that i walk around with is the one that i do my morning routine with that is a good yeah. idea and even a third phone like a third one to have in the bedroom for the apps etc just for that, that is, yeah, i mean that would be well even an yeah. ipod because ipods get apps don't they i believe like the yeah, old school ipod oh, dude i got an i got an app i've got an iphone 6 which is like fucking ancient apparently and um i've got one of those and that's what i use for for social media for just posting and checking Instagram and doing stuff like that. And it's only got Wi-Fi, so I can't take it out of the house. And once I'm out of the house, if I'm at dinner, I can't check anything. I open up my phone and be like, I'm going to check emails. Perfect. And so just put it away again. Yeah. Mm, that's a, such a good there idea. There is something you wrote somewhere. I forget where I saw it. It says, so about the podcast, it was, how can you be all that you want to be in a world that is trying to stop you? Mm. I'm intrigued by kind of sentiment behind that. You, you recall saying that or writing that somewhere? Say it very, again. very slightly. How can you be all that you want to be in a world that's trying to stop? And you? I think it was on some on, on a website called Read X or something. Um, Readwise. Readwise, where it was always like a forum like thing. Oh, so that is a um, that's a really fucking cool tool actually. If anybody uses Kindle, if anybody reads on Kindle, Readwise takes your highlights from Kindle and then redelivers them to you uh, in a morning email. Oh, so it just sporadically does it. You can also use it for spaced repetition if you want to try and learn them. So the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, it, it's all got that programmed in the same way as flashcard apps do. Uh, so yeah, every morning I wake up and I have four quotes that are my highlights and it just randomly chooses some of them and some of them uh, are from random books from years wow. ago and some of them are from something that I read recently. Readwise.io, it's run by a couple of buddies. Really cool tool. That's cool. Um, yeah, how can you be all that you can be? Read it again to me. So how can you be all that you want to be in a world that is trying to stop you? Mm. Mm. Well, I think the argument there is that society and culture and the people that are around you aren't you. What they are usually is 
an aggregate of what everybody else wants because we're mimetic beings, right? Like we try and copy everyone else. And what that causes is for everyone to sort of coalesce into this big sort of vanilla gray sludge in the middle. <laughs> and it causes people to curb their quirks and their weirdnesses. And it's hard, like it's hard to strike out and do things that are different, especially in the UK. UK is a really good example because we have tall poppy syndrome here. Like you, you try and do something different at school or at college or you begin a new business and there isn't really tons of support. People are, they'll keep your feet on the ground, which is good for you. You're not going to have an ego that runs away, but you're going to be so scared and you're going to lack so much confidence, at least in terms Mm. of what I see. Whereas you look at somewhere like America where the sky's the limit. What's brilliant for them is they have loads and loads of support, but people can have their egos run out of control and they struggle to deal with discomfort because no one's ever told them that they can't do something or can't Mm. achieve something. So, you know, you, the Atlantic giveth with one hand and taketh away with the other, depending on what side of it you are. I don't know, Matt. I just think that a lot of people would do better if they were able to access what they genuinely want to do, like who you genuinely are, strip away the societal norms and the paths of least resistance and the way that you've dealt with past traumas and the fears that you have around acceptance. Like if you were just able to do that, and I can't, like I don't, I still t- tons of, all of the time throughout this entire conversation, I'll have compromised things that I would have, should have, could have said because I think about how it's going to land or about what it makes me look like or all of that. It's just inbuilt into us. But yeah, getting as close to being the person that you're supposed to be as possible, I think is probably a a pretty good starting point if you're feeling a bit lost. And in terms of finding happiness, it's probably not a bad route either. And was that that. one of your sentiments that when you created a podcast over the years that you wanted to, to some degree empower people to go down that? Just life doesn't come with an instruction manual, man. Mm. Like, it's so fucking hard. And I was, I was really, really lost, especially as a young guy. I didn't have... So only child again. There's quite a big delta between our generation and our parents so that you don't really have those role models there. And I just wanted an instruction manual. I just wanted someone to tell me how to deal with the breakup or how, how America works or what coal is or <laughs> why I should be bothered about the environment. Or, you know, I just wanted to know these things. And that was kind of the show, like learn about yourself and the world around you. Mm. Like, that's it. And the fact that I get to learn out loud and bring the audience along for the ride seemed like the easiest way to do it. So cool. Have you had the, uh, the, the, uh, the owner of School of Life on your podcast? Alanda so Botton. Yeah. Alanda Botton. Yeah, he's a, he's a friend of a friend. I mean, his emails, um, but I haven't got him on yet. He's, he actually seems to have taking a bit of a step back over the last couple of years uh i've been to see him live and he was phenomenal yeah. i would love to get him on he's he's not so much recently but he really shaped my direction when i first started he'd be an amazing guest we'll do some quick fires now so that's sure. all right make am i going first oh you share three insights that you learn every monday so perhaps you could share an interesting fact of the week that you've learned Ooh. Um, 17% of young people think that approaching anyone you want to date in public constitutes harassment, but 90% of women still want the man to make the first move. <laughs> oh, Brilliant. <shit. laughs> cool, right, you're keeping keep hold of you, Holly. You're staying with me. I got a ring on it. All right, next question. Is, is anything particularly sacred for you? Like any moment of your day, sacred. Like you're not changing that. Morning routine is there. So even if I have to be out of the door at, 5.30am, I'll sit down and, and do one minute's meditation. 
You uh, put a little quote on your Instagram by Morgan Hussell. I hope I've said that right, which is people... Housel, yeah. sorry. People who tend to be exceptionally good at one thing and normally exceptionally bad at others. Is there one thing you're exceptionally good at and one thing you're exceptionally bad at? <laughs> uh, talking and switching off. Cool. cool. And then maybe finally... Yeah. Well, no, are you on your time doing a motivational quote? But I want to... Uh, I don't know what would you do more of like your life is a bit spacious but maybe not that from what you said is there anything you would like to do more of that you don't currently do have fun mm. oh. like have <laughs> have have fun like with play fine play because a lot of it's work at the moment and even though my work is play it's there's still like a purpose to it yeah you need a, a uh, line yeah finding something that doesn't have a telos to it that isn't going in a direction that you're just doing it for the sheer sake of it mm. um, i'm looking forward to doing that i think i'm on the cusp of being able to purpose life into that way I, I really can't wait for that and could you leave us with some kind of motivational quote or something a quote that you always come back to that you love um so this is from jordan peterson and it's it's not motivational at all uh, <laughs> it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um it's do not practice what you don't want to become. And what it reminds us is that you don't get to make the choice about not making a habit. You simply get to choose what habit you want to make. Every action that you take contributes to you being one type of person in the future. Do you want to be the sort of person that hits snooze or the sort of person that doesn't? Do you want to be the sort of person that cheats on your partner or doesn't? Do you want to be the sort of person that goes to the gym or doesn't? And every time that you make a decision, you are choosing a vote. You are placing a ballot into the box for that type of life in the future and that type of person or a different one. There's no no voting. You are voting all the time. Even mm. not voting is a vote. So what's the sort of decision that you want to make? And that, that don't practice what you do not want to become. Um, that really reminds us that be careful with the things that you do. Be careful with the habits that you make. It's important. That was a it brilliant, is. brilliant ending. Thank you so much and, for sharing everything with us. And what would you like people to know about you and podcast and your reading list, etc.? Tell us what you want people to find. Oh, yeah. So um, if you want a list of 100 books that you should read before you die, go to chriswillex.com slash books. It's free. It's beautiful. It took me absolutely fucking ages to make. And <laughs> the, designer, the designer crushed it. So if you're looking for new book ideas, like the, the most impactful, important books that I've ever read, uh, and then just search Modern Wisdom wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Chris Williamson, YouTube, and everywhere else. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Honestly Unbalanced.